0: welcome my vagina this is jesse
1: karen and this is rebecca frank and here we are again having our current historical hysterical and infuriating conversation about our lives as a a vagina oh my god almost an abortion having organisms which we kind of are (laughs) vagina having organisms
2: (laughs) all content made up on the spot but probably researched just kidding fools it's definitely researched Funny that you brought up abortion. Um we got a really awesome uh email. (laughs) Forgot the word for email, um, from Maddie, who said that she loved our podcast and thinks she thinks we're amazing. Thank you, Maddie. We are.
1: We know. (laughs) (laughs) We're
2: aware. But we really appreciate being reminded. And she had listened to our abortion ban episode and she would love for us to do a follow-up regarding domestic violence and reproductive coercion and how these bans affect those people as well. So we're gonna do that in the following I don't know in the couple, and in the next few weeks, yeah, probably yeah,
1: it's coming your way.
2: So, we're telling you that because we would like more suggestions on what you would like us to cover because we'll
1: do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like interactive podcasting. Yeah. yeah. So, I have an awesome story. Okay. Um so I threw along with a couple of other people I threw a um baby shower yesterday and one of my co-hosts was my friend lee's mom lee is the dad to be and her co-host i'm sorry no yeah the co-host of the party (laughs) so uh so her and her husband obviously where there's a co-ed party her husband was there and so he they came early and he was cutting the fruit for the fruit bowl and he was like rebecca i have to tell you you were in my dream last night and i was like Wow. So apparently, all right. So a while back, I got interviewed by this writer, Bryce Covert, for um, a Nation article about um, bartending and like being a woman behind the bar and all this other kind of stuff. He had this dream that I had been at work and at behind the bar, I was bartending and, and um, someone had verbally or physically assaulted me in some way. And I punched that person in the face. Nice. Yeah. In his dream. I punched a, that person in the face. But that ac- the first thing actually happened. The first thing actually happened. But the second thing, not so much. So I punched them in the face and I kicked them out. And I guess they called the police or something like that. And... The person who broke the story was this woman, Bryce Covert, who I had talked to once before. And it like became this whole big thing. And it was like, you know, like this big story about about like bartending and all yeah, this stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was in his dream. So. Oh, that's awesome. That so funny. Yay. I was like, that's cool. <laughs> I was like, I'm like a dream badass. Look at me. I just started taking <laughs> boxing lessons.
0: Somehow being gay was those terrible thing you could possibly be.
1: There are a lot of kids here.
0: And if we catch you
1: with a homosexual, the rest of your life will be a living hell. Darling,
0: I want my gay rights now! Um,
2: So yeah, so what is Stonewall? So in 1969, police raided the Stonewall Inn bar, a bar located in Greenwich Village, that served as a safe haven for the city's LGBT community. Or one of the safe havens. I was watching a few interviews where they were like, that wasn't the only gay bar. And hilariously enough, a lot of people were like, "It's it also wasn't
1: a great bar. Yeah, it was owned by the mob. It was oh, run by the yeah. fucking mafia. Which, wow.
2: Well, I think that's something I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. So like, most gay bars and clubs in New York at the time, including Stonewall, were all operated by the mafia. Not all, but most.
1: Because let's think about this. This is the late 60s. And so... The Godfather came out in the early 70s, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, the book had come out previously, and this was a time in popular culture when people were really interested in the mafia, but it was also, like, those five families were super active, and they actually, they, like, now they're around still, but it wasn't, the power level wasn't the same. Yeah,
2: and that's when the, the, so I think the Gambino crime family was the one who owned Stonewall, and they didn't have a li- liquor license. But it also makes sense to me why the... If you think about it logically, it almost makes sense why the mafia was in charge of a lot of the gig bars. Mm-hmm. Um, because they were essentially most of the owners during prohibition for all the speakeasies. And so then they saw another like fringe aspect to our society. They had all these like LGBT people and there was a a way to make money by exploiting the gay community. Right. Um, And it was like a weird, unlikely combination, but it also makes sense that the mafia was like, Oh, fringe people don't give a shit about the government or your rules money.
1: Right. I mean, so it was that Tony is the one who owned Stonewall um, and his whole purpose was to exploit the LGBT, Tony, Tony Lauria. No, Fat Tony. Fat Tony. <laughs> and he would pay off the police to basically allow this bar to continue because, yeah. because there were all of these rules against being openly gay, right? Yeah. At the time, homosexual acts remained
2: illegal in every state except for Illinois, mm-hmm. which is weird. And mm-hmm. bars and restaurants could get shut down for having gay employees or serving gay patrons.
1: Right. So... That Tony was paying the police at that time in the late 60s $1,200 a month which is equivalent to $9,500 in today's dollars and what they were what it seems like they were doing and there there's like some hints to this and they haven't because because these talking about erasure these sorts of histories are a lot of times oral histories that aren't written down and so some of the details might be missing but there's been a bunch of clues that the floor above the inn was used as a location for a prostitution ring and this prostitution ring was used to blackmail gay men who worked on wall street Mm -hmm. and so seymour pine who was the police commissioner at the time he asserted that he was actually ordered to put the stonewall in out of business because of this prostitution ring so essentially the stonewall would have people sign in when they entered the premise um, and then the, and then blackmailers would gather information about them, and oh then they God. would figure out whether the potential earnings were worth extorting them and exposing them, which in the 1960s could ruin your life yeah. if you were in the closet to have this information come out. You could lose your job. Well,
2: that's also why a lot of times these these raids happen for so long, because a lot of the patrons and employees would comply because if you kind of fought against them then you'd get in the papers and nobody wanted to be outed in the papers because that was more dangerous
1: yeah there was a, a newsletter called the new york mattachine newsletter i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that right but they madachine they said quote we caution our readers never to use your real name when cruising never to give your address to a questionable bar or club and remember that trick or hustler you've just picked up may be working for the management end quote And that was quoted for people to protect themselves. The environment, like that's the thing is like the environment under the, which these things happen are super, super important. Mm -hmm. You know, like there was some law that I learned about that in New York city, it was considered illegal to be gender nonconforming. And there were, there was like a rule that anyone who was not wearing at least three articles of gender appropriate clothing like that, there's a criminal statute against that. If you weren't wearing at least three articles of gender-appropriate clothing clothing and socks didn't count. There was actually a law. Wait, gender-appropriate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there was a law in Haddon Township, New Jersey, that made it unlawful for any person to appear in, like, anything that wasn't gender-conforming. And I feel like that just got overturned in 2014. Wow.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So does that mean that if you wore three articles that were gender conforming but you wore like a whole bunch of other frill, it would be fine. I think (laughs) I feel like I would deck myself out in just literal frill and then just be like
1: blue socks. Socks uh, don't count.
2: Motherfucker.
1: Yeah, socks don't count. But you could but you could wear, let's say a t shirt or my frill. Like, yeah, you could wear pants, a t shirt, and like a like a like a dinner jacket and heels. That's kind of sexy. I might do that now do it <laughs> but like what if you want but that's to go crazy you should in? be able yeah. to wear whatever the fuck exactly. you want. exactly exactly but it was criminalized so like this is the environment this is what people were living under when stonewall happened
2: <sighs> yeah so we wonder why
1: they fought back
2: yeah like who the fuck gets to tell you what you can and can't wear
1: i mean who gets to tell you what bathroom you can use who gets to tell you if you can have a baby or not yeah the See? list goes on the list goes on <laughs> <laughs> anyway
2: back to the back to the uprising the uprising um yeah so police raids were super um common in a lot of gay bars um but on this like particular day uh it essentially i think in our eyes launched that like new era of revolution though that's not to say again like i said before that there were a lot of efforts to achieve LGBT uh, equality um right. for instance like henry gerber founded the society for human rights in 1924 which was the nation's first uh known homosexual organization and it was the first known american homosexual publication which is cool and yeah. and like you said in the 1950s and 60s there was uh the mattachine society and the daughters of billet mm-hmm. formed uh chapters in several cities and I think bravely considering what we know about that time period, openly identified as homosexuals at demonstrations and televised appearances, I feel like people forget how like bold and brave it was yeah. to be yourself at this
1: time yeah, period. Absolutely. And you know, like we had it was the same problem then as it is now of, you know, younger a lot of times like younger gay people and transgender people ending up on the streets yeah, and the, and the communities that they formed there. Right. Yeah. So like the homeless transgender community and gay community that got kicked out of their houses or that did, or that left because they didn't feel comfortable there or that needed to be around people that they could communicate with yeah. and be open with. Um, and they all, a lot of them found themselves to New York city because it was law aside. It was a little bit more open. Bit more open. But even within that, there's like, There was fear of like televised
2: appearances Mm -hmm. and the threat of arrest and being fired from your job or being just, and yeah, being disowned by your families, which is what, like you said, a lot, why a lot of people flew to New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was the conservative McCarthy era. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, And you had J. Edgar Hoover in charge of the FBI until uh, I think the 70s and he had eyes on. Uh, gay activists, just mm-hmm. like he had eyes on Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, Hoover was a motherfucker, racist and a homophobe. He's awful. Fucking Hoover, Hoover. <laughs> fucking, <laughs> H- fucking Hoover. Um, all right. So the timeline
2: is June twenty fourth, nineteen sixty nine. Police arrest Stonewall employees and confiscate alcohol. Um, the local precinct had just received a new commanding officer who kicked off his tenure by initiating a series of raids.
1: Like for a while, because because the because Fat Tony was paying them off they would call in advance and warn them that they were coming so everyone could scatter really but they didn't call on the 28th
2: interesting
1: that was what I learned do you have
2: information on why he didn't or like he just didn't get the tip
1: Um, no there was uh, they neglected to call I don't know why I couldn't find why they didn't call
2: it's weird because they had like a relationship you know and like so yeah, they really had somebody who tipped them off at the some-
1: yeah something was happening yeah weird
2: yeah I'm so curious about that now yeah um. Yeah, so on the Tuesday before the riots, police raided Stonewall and arrested a whole bunch of employees, confiscated illegal liquor.
1: Yeah, I mean, I also think like one other thing that I found was that uh, the SLA, the State Liqu- Liquor Authority, was actually a way to control who liquor was served to. So the SLA was created as a government agency or state agency to control who got liquor licenses. And so they could say, like, it's illegal to create a space where homosexual, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. And so we will not... Or the LGBT. Exactly. Like, we can refuse to give that license. Right. And that's an arm of the state that's disallowing people from convening in a location. So they knew they could go there and
2: raid it at any time. And the
1: SLA is still an asshole in different ways, but... (laughs)
2: you know cool so that i guess the nypd then planned a second raid for the following friday hoping to like shut down the bar for good so So that's when stonewall kind of like was like no fuck this yeah (laughs) so after midnight the stonewall was packed when eight undercover police or plain clothed police officers from new york uh new york city's public moral squad which i really wanted to find more information out
1: From what I can find, like, because there was apparently a bad TV show that was about this, but also some information, people are only just, they'll talk about the now defunct public moral squad, which would have upheld things like these crimes against wearing more than, wearing less than three articles of, of gender conforming clothing. Yeah. Right? So And
2: homosexuals drinking or dancing in public.
1: Right. Um, I think that to an extent, it would have turned it would have turned into vice because it's, you know, what one of the things was that Stonewall was operating as a club with membership, like theoretically, it was, and they weren't allowed to sell liquor. So vice does look over like issues of drugs, liquor, firearms, like all this kinds of stuff. And so it would make sense that the public moral squad would have, at least vice would have come something from the public moral squad because there's still it's, th- it's still concerned with some of the same things. Yeah. It just it tends to have implications to marginalized communities. So if we yep. look at the way that Vice works, are they looking as closely of at like white people dealing drugs? Mm-hmm. I mean, the opioid epidemic tells me no. Yeah, of course not. Okay, so this is what I found. There's a New York Times article from this year talking about the Stonewall Riot apology. Um, and it says uh, that the now defunct public moral squad raided the Stonewall Inn, a gay bar on Christopher Street in Greenwich Village, The police said that they had arrived to disperse the bar's patrons because the Stonewall Inn had violated liquor laws. Eight officers and an inspector arrived at the club and ordered about 200 people to line up and show their identification. Some were asked to submit to anatomical inspections. What the fuck? So if we put that in line with the fact that those laws exist and they would be testing to see if they would be legally able to see if people were violating that statute by wearing gender nonconforming clothing anatomical inspections yeah Woof, man yeah why is yeah. everybody so obsessed with your fucking genitals i know it's insane oh uh,
2: so okay anyway so on this night on saturday well saturday morning after midnight it was um this raid was led by deputy inspector seymour pine which sounds like something i want to name a cat or like <laughs> an evil cat yeah but in addition to the uh bar's employees they also singled out drag queens and other cross-dressing patrons um, and no doubt people of color um, for arrest because in New York City, quote-unquote masquerading as a member of the opposite sex was a crime. More cops arrived and they started loading all the employees and cross-dressers into the paddy wagon. I just wanted to say paddy wagon <laughs> um, because that's the thing we had. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said earlier, because patrons tended to
1: comply with the police because they were afraid of being identified in the newspaper, which is really fucking sad. So um pine seymour pine actually recently uh, apologized for his, for everything that happened so he acknowledged that officers certainly were prejudiced but had no idea wh- about what gay people were about but he justified the raid on the sto- on stonewall Inn as a r- routine way of combating organized crime and noted that arresting gay people was an easy way for officers to improve their arrest numbers <gasps> since they never gave you any trouble and he later said that if what i did helped gay people then i'm glad he didn't help gay people. I
0: the guess fu- he's like
1: thinking about it as like a tinderbox. If we push them over the edge, then. What I'm kind glad. of an apology is that? This wasn't the apology. This was an earlier statement oh my in 2004. Oh, God. What the F? Yeah. You hadn't. An- oh, you- Yeah. yeah. That's- when he was on Brian Lair, oh, my God. He said in 2009, he said, I don't think not liking gay people had anything to do with it. You don't think? Um, he said, when we took the action that we took that night, we were on the side of right. We never would have done something without supervision from the federal authorities and state authorities. Fucking Hoover. But OK, so but also
2: fuck you, because like what I think it's worse than not liking them, because what you did was you treated them as less than human.
1: The thing is, like, it's it's this idea that, like, there exists no gray area and that we are right because we're following the law as if laws are never wrong. Mm-hmm. Slavery was law. Yeah. Yeah. That law is wrong. It was wrong. And so like you like you're not on the side of right just because you're on the side of the law. Yeah. And but at the same time, we're looking at it's like, okay, you've got Hoover in charge of the FBI at that time. And you're looking at the state liquor authority and all these other forces that have that are monitoring, you know, gay activists. Try and keep them down because empowerment of more people means disempowerment of the people who've always held the power. That's also like pun intended. But like that's such a cop out. That you were just like, <laughs> thank
2: you for laughing. That's good. Um, it's such a cop out to just be like, I was just following orders. Yeah. Because like, fu- you know, you know, back in the day, they did that. T- just the fact that he was saying that they were easy and exactly. they complied is so not something that like rolled downhill in yeah. terms of, oh, we were just following orders. Right. You and did they- that because it worked for you. Exactly.
1: And they complied because they were disempowered. Yep. Yeah. Because they didn't have a leg to stand on. And you were disempowering them, and you exactly. knew you were raising the fear for people because you were like, you know what, if I need to get my arrest records up, I'm just going to go grab the sitting duck yeah. over there. Yeah. Because that person can't defend themselves. Right. Because what's, because it, because for them, the best option was
2: to spend a night in jail and to be arrested or like harassed instead of being outed in our own community because they would have been ostracized even worse. hmm. um, um, so in the early hours of June 28th, 1969, um, it doesn't seem like any of the accounts actually match up completely it sounds like they're all variances of the same thing mm-hmm. um seems like there was one woman in particular and it's believed to be um de delar de i might be saying that yeah wrong.
1: i think i found a thing where it's where she uh explained how to, it's pronounced storm de- deliveray Delivery. Yeah. Um, she's
2: also been credited as the first person to really speak up because no, she was like, why, was no- why is nobody doing anything? Mm-hmm. Um, and her handcuffs were too tight. And so I think she was kind of like trying to verbalize that. And mm-hmm. that's when people started th- throwing things and taunting the cops. And um, somebody threw something. Nobody knows what it was. Technically, yeah. somebody thought it was a brick. I think the uh, the overall theme is that Marsha P. Johnson was the one who threw the brick, but right. it, she also, in a podcast later on down the
1: line, was like, I didn't get there until a few hours in. Yeah, it it already started. Um, and, you know, there's like the things about the shot glass heard around the world and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. Part of what I read was, so the first punch by Storm delivery was considered the like inciting moment that motivated others but i also saw and and when asked about it she said why didn't you know people were like why didn't you take responsibility she said because it wasn't anybody's business yeah she later like my fucking
2: gender or what i'm wearing or all of it yeah
1: like it was part of a moment and like and as we talk yeah and and so much of of the history of marginalized people aren't Recorded in the same fastidious ways that other histories can be recorded. Mm-hmm. And so it's a matter of stories being passed along. Yeah. Um, I read somewhere that it was a lot of um, transgender and homeless. Mm-hmm. uh like the lgbtq homeless community mostly young people that yes. started throwing pennies so they had start what i what i saw was that a bunch of them started throwing pennies nickels quarters and yes. then it became glasses and yeah. and bricks and the police were hiding inside yeah yeah oh, the they tables have turned they barricaded inside yeah. <laughs> i
2: also saw that um this one person was uh and i loved this quote because it gave such an image and it also made me laugh because of how things turn throughout history and what it must have actually been like that night um but you had all these irish cops outside so the experience from michael levine said it was funny it was a funny confrontation uh the police would disperse the group and then they would reform a half a block away and dance back toward the stone wall mm-hmm. so like my favorite thing about this whole thing is A lot of people, uh, I was reading a lot of things that were, people were like, oh, well, nobody knows if it was a brick. Nobody knows who actually threw the brick. And honestly, at the end of the day, it doesn't fucking matter. But when they were asked if there was a kick line, Mm -hmm. everyone was like, oh, yeah. Apparently, there was a song that they were all singing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's so good.
0: We are the Stomo Girls. We wear our hair in curls. We don't wear underwear. To show our pubic hair.
1: I also read this really interesting article from this online magazine called Them mm-hmm. by Chrysanthemum Tran, who's the person who wrote it. Um, and she is talking about it's a an essay that she wrote in January of 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and what what Tran said in this was Delevere's own denial of sparking the uprising should challenge us to reconsider our community's obsession with crediting the start of the riots to a singular person. Mm-hmm. This focus on the first punch, brick, Molotov cocktail is intended to refute revisionist histories that undermine the labor of transgender women and lesbians of color, neither of which are mutually exclusive, within the LGBTQ community. But in our attempts to counter revisionism by uplifting the work and impact of LGBTQ women of color, we create and normalize false histories that fail to accu- accurately recognize their legacies and those of countless others who jeopardize their lives to resist the police. Yeah. So, like, basically, they're saying, like, I understand why we need to tell these stories, why we need to keep pushing these names forward and why we need them not to get lost in the shuffle. But at the same time, there's a lot of people there. And we also don't acknowledge the complexity of each individual person. Mm. And that's an important part of the community, too. Yeah. For, you know,
2: Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera were two of the people that were said to have, like, possibly thrown it. And they both mm-hmm. denied that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because like they that's what they're known for, but they should be known for so many other things. Like mm-hmm. Marsha P Johnson was such an amazing human in her community. Like she she look, took a lot of uh, homeless people who had been kicked out by their families. She took a lot of sex workers in. She was a a safe haven for a lot of the LGBT community and more. And she was so herself. It I I, I like anyone should aspire to be that. She wore flower crowns. like all the time and pretty much told everyone to fuck off this is who she she was she essentially i think the line that she uses is you may as well be visible which means what it is it's they're gonna fucking be on your back no matter what so you might as well be happy with who you are
1: right and like you know it doesn't matter it doesn't matter who started it you know that this activist named craig rodwell um said that he saw johnson climbed the top of a lamppost and drop a bag containing a heavy object on the police car's windshield and shattered it it doesn't matter if she threw the first brick or not it doesn't no you know and like and it matters that before the riots and of course like stonewall was really important and it put it gave the gay rights movement nat- more national attention and that really matters but that as we said earlier the activism predates it so yeah she and Sylvia R- Rivera co-founded the street transvestites action league called star, star in 1970. And they mm. opened a house to shelter homeless LGBTQ youth. Yeah. So they both lived on the streets at various times during their lives. And they wanted to make sure that, that there was a community like a ready-made community for people who felt alone. Yeah. And they knew the dangers. Yeah. They wanted to welcome people in
2: and they still did it. Mm-hmm. That's the true definition of bravery. Yeah. you um, are going to
1: get a statue. It will be the world, the world's first pu- permanent public monument honoring transgender women. Oh my God! Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's going to be in Greenwich Village.
2: <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that June twenty 29th, Stonewall reopens. Supporters gathered, um, and I guess police beat and tear gassed the crowd. Um, so I guess it went on for a few
1: days. Yeah, it was a six day riot under which twenty one during which twenty one people were arrested.
2: Okay, so despite having been torn apart by the cops. Uh, The Stonewall Inn open before dark the next night, even though they had no alcohol Um, and more supporters showed up. They chanted slogans like gay power and we shall overcome. And um, the police again came to, quote unquote, restore order. Um, I'm going to say, quote unquote, one more time. (laughs) So I thought this was interesting, July 2nd, 1969. So in response to the village voices coverage of the riots, which referred to the forces of, and I'm not saying this word because I hate it so much, Mm -hmm. Um, but it starts with an F and sounds like maggotry. Oh, yeah. Great. Wow. Yeah. So protesters swarmed outside the papers offices and then the police pushed back on that rioting and the rioting started again. So this lasted like a lot longer, I think, than I even thought. I
1: mean, one weird theory that I read about was that um, Judy Garland had passed away on June 22nd, 1969, and her funeral was held on the 27th. And there have been people that have theorized that it was a collective grief over her death that fueled the riots. Which is so fucked up because it trivializes yeah, like exactly. all of the
2: pain and suffering that they went through beforehand.
1: Yeah. And it's saying that like the only that it's not about it's not about the the legislation and the laws and the marginalization, and the lack of safety and the, you know, like the people being forced to live in the closet and being afraid for afraid for themselves and their families, they're going to be like, Oh, this, and I mean like, yeah, Judy Garland, whatever people like Judy Garland. That's great. But like, this was a pivotal moment. Yeah. Like, and it was, a, it was about things that mattered. It was about civil rights yep. and to be like, Oh, it's, you know, it's just a bunch of Queens that really liked the wizard of Oz. Yeah, exactly or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's just it's so Go fuck yourself. It's, it's so, so yeah. offensive. We're talking about like legal marginalization that still exists because we have bathroom bills, we have the transgender military ban now. Like this still happens and you can't attribute it to something. I mean, obviously Judy Garland's death, was, death wasn't trivial to her or her family, but it's like of course. but this is a this is a No, but it was a huge movement yeah. for a
2: fucking community that was ostracized yeah. and yeah. Ugh!
1: it makes me so mad.
2: (laughs) Um. Anyway, that's so. That's how the first gay pride parade got set off from Stonewall. Um. They did it on June twenty eighth, nineteen seventy. The the first year afterwards.
1: Um. So actually, in there was an LA newsletter launched in nineteen sixty six that was entitled "The Personal Rights in Defense and Education," which later became the Advocate. But that stood for pride. Okay. Personal rights in defense and education turned into the advocate later and the first pride march was in 1970 but pride was coined in 1966 yeah thinking about stonewall sort of like a like a moment of jumping into the mainstream and so like and not to say that it just like it became part of general consciousness at that time because there's a lot of civil rights movements happening there was you know, like the women's rights movement, like mm-hmm. the civil rights movement, all this stuff happening. There's a lot of social change happening. And so Stonewall was like this middle ground between these decades of organizing and activism that came before Stonewall and then the leg- like the legislating and things like that yeah. that eventually came afterwards. They come out of exhaustion. Like
2: those things yeah. are always under the surface. Like the women's movement, the civil rights movement, they didn't come out of nowhere. It's not like people weren't fighting or that there wasn't activism before. Right. That's exactly. just when people started paying attention. Yes,
1: exactly. It's like this isn't where the story starts. You know, it's like we, I remember learning in always in English class in media race in the middle of things. Yeah. Stonewall is in the middle of things. Yeah. But well, it also overshadowed in 1970 after
2: Stonewall that the police raided the snake pit bar um, under deputy inspector Seymour Pine and Mm -hmm. uh, an Argentinian immigrant Diego Vinales panicked because of deportation and jumped out of the second story jail and was impaled. On oh. the iron fence below. God. He was cut loose. He was fine, but at that point, like he was fine after being impaled. Well, I don't want to say fine, <laughs> but word oh. spread that he was like dead or dying. He didn't. He survived. Uh-huh. I should say survived. And I think these were around before Stonewall, but they became bigger after that. Like the Gay activist Alliance and Gay Liberation Fu- uh, Front organized mm-hmm. a quick response and a super angry protest. Um, around like 500 people. And I'd never heard of this, which is so crazy, because like these one
1: things that we all remember overshadow all of the other. Yeah. Yeah. And so the gay liberation front, it actually collapsed within the decade um, and was kind of subsumed into the mainstream movement. Um, But what it did was it advocated for sexual liberation for all people and, and its founders, and I think Marsha P. Johnson was one of them, believed that heterosexuality was a remnant of cultural inhibition and felt that change would not come about unless the current social institutions were dismantled and rebuilt without sexual roles. Mm -hmm. And, That kind of sounds to me like what, like an overlap between, you know, there are always overlaps, but between like a feminist movement and a gay rights movement. It's trying to dismantle these institutions that try and reinforce outdated and damaging sexual and gender roles. Yeah. That just don't really make sense. Yeah.
2: I mean, that was the huge problem with with the first women's movement that there was no intersectionality. It was like you're this or you're a different problem. Yeah. And it's always like, that's the, we're always supposed to wait. You can't wait.
1: Yeah. It can't it be like us
2: first and then you. Right. Because it doesn't trickle, work like
1: that. Because trickle down doesn't work in any way. No. And that's actually another thing that I read about here was that we had a whole conversation about how who threw the first brick doesn't, partic- doesn't matter in terms of like the grand scheme of things. And there's a good reason for that. But at the same time, when we look at the movement that came out of stonewall eventually a lot of those people that were on the front lines weren't welcome mm-hmm. in the movement and yeah. because it was like well how are we gonna say we're just like you if we have some you know somebody show up with a fucking fruit like a hat with fruit in it and flowers <laughs> and all yeah. of this stuff and heels like how do we say we're just like you yeah and it's like you don't you say we're all human mm-hmm. right and like but you know, the Gay Liberation Front came out as like a response to to like trying to assimilate mm-hmm. to a society that had previously oppressed and try to make society like make space yeah when you should be like society got it wrong yeah you know and that's what like and maybe it was too extreme for a lot of people because people want incremental change but we right. don't have time for incremental change because no. people are dying and why should yeah why should people have to fucking wait mm-hmm. that takes generations to yeah. do and we're still losing a lot of trans women of color specifically yeah and Marsha p johnson like it was ruled a suicide, but there's actually credible information that maybe the mafia killed her. Uh, yeah, she remains such an important figure, right, in the LGBTQ community and in in all of this stuff. And she's such a, you know, someone to look up to for everybody, regardless. I mean, she was yeah. incredible, and that her case, it just her life wasn't worth the time, yeah, to even consider to yeah. investigate. Exactly. Um, I feel like for myself personally, the whole process was sort of something of of like Mm self-education because I wasn't taught really about Stonewall in high school. Which is crazy because that's like a
2: huge moment in our world, society, everything,
1: you know. Yeah, it's really important. And to think, I mean, it happens all the time, like to think that a pivotal moment for a whole part of society just doesn't even make it into the mainstream education and how that feeds our continuous like fear and lack of understanding of other people I well, mean it's just like, a continuation of homophobia yeah absolutely know? and and racism that's like wrapped in that as well yeah. obviously yeah and it's like gay people didn't just start existing in 1969 <laughs> you know just like popped out of the ground yeah <laughs> here we are hello <laughs> we've been bacon. you know what's that game uh oh oh when pop, you pop, hit, pop, yeah what is that when you the mole. Mo- what is that what the mole Rock game sock them sock them Whack-a-mole! <laughs> but I think, you know, one thing that's important, I think, to talk about here, thinking about the way that it's called Stonewall Riots and what a riot is. Yeah. Right? Riot has such a negative connotation.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: like, what
2: it should be called as a rebellion and a revolt. And it an also uprising. kind of... Yeah, an uprising. And it also always reminds me of um, when white people... Or white cisgender people mm-hmm. march or rebel or yeah. have a protest versus when black people, people of color, or the LGBT community, and then all of a sudden it's a violent interaction, right. Versus a protest, right? So or like
0: or that they had
2: had years of being raided Mm -hmm. by police officers and i even hate using raided because what it was was like an excuse to assault and harass people that
1: they didn't like we are so quick to kind of discredit um activism by marginalized communities by calling them riots because Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden we can say like why are those people why are those people looting their stores why are they destroying their property Mm -hmm. why you know and the greater meaning gets lost yeah it's it's gets characterized as something of like senseless violence mm-hmm. but in actuality the it's people exhaustion. who are participate in it are like are participating for a reason it's not like that people are just like oh i'm gonna go like burn some shit down right it's it's due to an underlying issue it's due right. to decades of disempowerment and it's finally like no we're all here and you've been ignoring us for a really long time and yeah. you can't ignore this anymore
2: and it's based on like police brutality mm-hmm. in a lot of these cases which is that's significant to me if you parallel it with a lot of, they're not riots and they're not protests, but like when people win or lose their fucking yeah. sports game and then they start looting and breaking things. Turning cars over. I was there for the World Series when the Phillies won like years and years ago. I have never seen a city so trashed. Yeah. And I don't understand. That was how you celebrated And these people have been like harassed and assaulted for years and years and years. And then there's a breaking point where they're like, you can't do this to us anymore. I don't care if you're wearing a uniform and you quote unquote protect people. You're not protecting my community. Right.
1: And I mean, even look at like Penn State and Jerry Sandusky. No one, there weren't people turning cars over when Jerry, when all that stuff with Penn State broke, but they were turning cars over when Sandusky got fucking fired. Yeah.
2: Actually, Rebecca said Sandusky, but sometimes our brain has a queef with us. So what she meant to say was Joe Paterno.
1: You know, so like where like that's that's sticking up for the victim for the victims of things like that's I'm sorry that that's like the opposite of what you want. That's like I need to protect this person that I have put on a pedestal for some reason. Yeah. When what Stonewall was about and what, you know, the all the activity, all the activism post Rodney King it's a response to a systemic institutionalized and legal disempowerment of a community. Yeah. And all of this was written into law. Yeah. Well, um, everyone who, everyone who's in New York still, um, happy pride. Pride. And as we said at the beginning, it is world pride this year here in New York city. There's going to be a lot of really fun things going on. Pride's going to be huge. Brooklyn pride was awesome. Everyone's just out having a really, really good time. And, I mean I know we have a lot of work to do but I'm really happy that we've at least gotten this far. Yeah. You know, not satisfied, but yeah. It's going to be a good it's going to
2: be a good pride. It's going to be a good so. pride. Making moves, telling people to shut the fuck up. Yeah, shut the fuck up. And and where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? You may as well be visible. You're powerful. You're not alone. Fuck the government. Hear your voices.
1: All that stuff. I mean, it's just like... Always
2: look for bricks. Yeah, look
0: for bricks! I don't think anyone threw the first brick at Stonewall. And at this point, I don't care who threw the first brick. Oh, I don't think it matters. And it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. It's okay that we don't know. If it wasn't a brick, it was a rock. If it wasn't a rock, it was a purse. If it wasn't a purse, it was a shoe. If it wasn't a shoe, it was a glass. If it wasn't a glass, it was a dirty look. It was all of those things. It wasn't just that day, it was days before, and it was many years after. Recently,
2: we asked for some suggestions, and one of them was to go back to our old school would-you-rathers, so that's what we'll be doing
1: today. Thanks, Miriam.
2: Are you ready? Are you ready? Would-you-rather. 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 Would-you-rather.
1: Would-you-rather. Would-you-rather. I mean, this is like our life right now. Mm -hmm. Would-you-rather all conspiracy theories be true or live in a world where no leaders really know what they are doing? Okay, well, we're already living (laughs) in that world,
2: and I assume that most conspiracy theories- probably have a, a nugget of truth to them because the older i get the more i believe in conspiracy theories because right? they're there
1: for a reason
2: a lot of them a lot of them yeah. some of them are garbage like yeah. the pizza thing with hillary
1: oh my god that was so there wasn't <laughs> even that a basement there that's a rumor that's that was really a conspiracy, conspiracy theory oh, okay. oh yeah it was like a whole pedophile ring okay, that she cool. was running cool. that, in a place in the basement of a place that didn't have a basement okay i'm sorry so it's i like bonkers. well thought out conspiracy theories yes yes totally
2: uh would you rather be covered in fur or covered in scales scales why
1: because I like the heat <laughs> and I feel like I could oh be like okay a, like I could be in scales and I could live somewhere hot totally totally and I wouldn't be wearing a fur coat because I always tell my pets I'm like sorry I told you to stop wearing that jacket <laughs> and they don't ever listen <laughs> oh this is actually interesting given the state of the environment would you rather be transported permanently 500 years into the future or 500 years into the past Oh, God. That's a hard one.
2: That is really hard as a lady. Yeah, that was Fuck a Fuck, man, I think ago. I'll take my chances in the future.
1: We might not even, like, you might just go into nothing. I might nothing. just be floating. Yeah. Maybe I'll just dissipate. I feel like that's probably, <laughs> no. Or maybe you'll wake up on Mars.
2: Oh, God. Well, yeah, I mean, well, I am of the belief that we are not the only thing in the universe. So mm-hmm. maybe I'd wake up on a different planet that, um, you know, has everyone's rights. <laughs>
1: yeah and yeah lots
2: of, maybe i'd just wake up and there'd be a planet full of dogs
1: that'd be great sure i'll go with that yeah and some nice people i'll try it out i feel
2: like 500 years ago at least knowing me would not do well we wouldn't do well no we i would... think i'd be burned at this day oh one... we'll smack dab in the middle oh, yeah. no i'll go 500 years in the future great. i'll try it out great
0: you ready yeah let's do it all
2: right
1: thank you for listening to welcome to my vagina
2: it's time for us to
1: slide on out of here it never gets
2: less gross <laughs>
1: Make sure to rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. Oh my God, please rate and
2: review us, please. It really helps.
1: It helps so much. Do we
2: sound desperate yet? Because we are. A little bit. A little bit desperate. If you love us, then you'll write about us. You can also check us out on Instagram at Welcome to my vagina,
1: On Twitter at WelcomeToMyVag. Uh,
2: at YouTube, you can just type in WelcomeToMyVagina. And send us an email at WelcomeToMyVagina.com. We also have an email. If you want to email us questions, we're totally down to answer them at WelcomeToMyVagina.com. Uh, I'm (laughs) going to not correct myself. Just, you know, you get it. Vegina. Check out all of Rebecca's musings at franklyrebecca.com.
1: And make sure to check out all of the other awesome content at More Banana. Yeah. Thanks, Caitlin.
0: She's our producer. Okay, thanks. Bye. See you
1: next Tuesday.